Welcome to the Your Houston Podcast. This is your host, Nicholas Hall. And this is your co-host, Mario Castillo. How are you doing today, Mario? You know, it's a wet and rainy day out there, but it's still a good day. Well, that's that's nice to hear. You know, it's wet, it's Houston. That's something that we're kind of used to during hurricane season. Uh, we have a phenomenal guest today. It's Zaf Tahir. He is a airport and planning commissioner. How are you doing, Commissioner Tahir? I am fine. You know, it, it sounds so nice to be called a commissioner. And a lot of people think that I'm really this big shot commissioner. Um, so thank you for calling me commissioner. It's an appointed position. I serve at the pleasure of mayor of Houston and city council. I take it very seriously. Uh, our fellow board member, Bill Baldwin, is also a commissioner. So, so thank you. I'm doing very well. I'm trying to keep myself at home and drive. Well, you know, Zaf, in addition to being a planning commissioner, we just want to give folks a little background uh, on all the things you've been involved in and why we're so excited to talk to you today. Uh, so we've mentioned the Planning and Airport Commission. Um, you've also served three mayors as a member, a vice chair, and a chair of the Mayor's International Advisory Council. Um, you were also a delegate from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to South Asia. Um, you currently have a long consulting practice, uh, and you just are very, uh, you have a very impressive background, uh, going to law school at Thurgood Marshall School of Law very recently, um, actually, which most people wouldn't have expected, but we're excited to talk to you and to really, uh, dive deep into Houston and our international community and how COVID-19 is impacting all of this. But before we go there, I've got some icebreaker questions for you. So, Zaf, my first question for you is, what's your favorite airport and why? Well, you know, my favorite all-time airport is probably Heathrow uh, because, uh, you know, since I was 18, since I've been traveling, uh, Heathrow has always been this gateway into London and into Europe, uh, although now there are much bigger and better airports like the Dubai International and Abu Dhabi and, and the new Istanbul Airport. But you know, somehow you grow up with certain airports. And I'll be very honest with you, the Intercontinental Airport, our, our Bush Airport, uh, we sometimes miss that huge airport right under our nose. Uh, it is one of the most convenient, one of the most cleanest, uh, one of the most easiest airport to navigate through uh, when it comes to large international airports. Uh, of course, Houston is really not a transit place for international passengers. So as an international passenger, I don't really transit through Houston. It's usually my destination. Uh, so, so Houston is way up there with Heathrow and other airports, yes. Well, uh, I like keeping it classy, you know, keeping it close to the heart, something you grew up with. Um, my next question is from the international community. What's the biggest misconception about Houston? The biggest misconception is that Houston is part of Texas, so it must be desert-like. Uh, we must have cowboys running all around. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have any pine trees. Uh, it probably rains very little. Uh and most important, they think that the mindset of Houston is what they see on, on television, especially Fox, where it is very Western-oriented, 
very cowboy, very rural. And I always tell people that Houston is very different than rest of Texas. It's more cosmopolitan because of oil. It's more, more East Coast. It's more uh, international. Uh, it's more uh, inclusive. It's more diverse. Uh, so I try to negate that. Now, increasingly, Nick, in last 10 years, I've seen there's a growing appreciation and knowledge about Houston. Uh, until about 10, 15 years ago, uh, Dallas was the showpiece of Texas and whatever Texas stands for. But now increasingly it is Houston. I have to agree with that. Uh, final question is, this is, is going to be a curveball here, but it's relevant to the times. Um, in the same vein of misconceptions of Houston, I'm going to ask you, since you have actually trained in Singapore um, and or otherwise done stuff in Southeast Asia, what's the biggest misconception about China? The biggest misconception about China is that it is very authoritarian. Uh, because of Communist Party's rule, it must be a very... Uh, police kind of a state, uh, backward, a uh, uh, lot of poverty hiding behind tall buildings. A and also that they are kind of copycats. They, 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 they don't invent things, they just copy stuff and they imitate. Uh, and, and that misconception is to our disadvantage. We forget that the largest contingent of PhD students in this country for several years have come from mainland China. Uh, mainland China now leads the world in several areas of innovation, okay? So uh, we need to be mindful of both the, the, the excellent point that China has and some of the negative things that China stands for. Uh, so our, Opinion needs to be more realistic. Well, Zaf, we want to start the conversation talking about travel and airports and the impact that we've seen COVID-19 have on this industry. You know, in your opinion, we know that there's financial implications for the city and for the local economy. Uh, and we've also seen that airport travel has started to increase somewhat, but it's still nowhere near what it used to be, you know, what are the ramifications for, for Houston and for our local economy if we see traffic remain as low as it's been for, you know, six, seven, eight more months? Well, it's going to have huge implications. I'm, I'm very concerned about Houston's future as a global hub, as, as a city that brings various cultures and various businesses together. Uh, we are not just home of Dow Chemical and, and Exxon's and Shell's and, and, and you know, construction and engineering and Texas Medical Center. We are literally thousands and thousands of minority-owned, immigrant-owned businesses. Uh, just look at Middle East. You know, we used to have daily flights with Emirates, with, with Turkish Airlines, with Qatar Air, and, and they were most of the time full. And they were not full with CEOs and CFOs traveling. You know, these were small contractors and suppliers and vendors who were going to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Istanbul 
and then onward to oil and gas industry, their business has been severely affected. Uh, people don't travel by, by sea anymore, you know, except for pleasure. They, they take um, uh, airplanes for wherever they're going. And right now there's a mindset that when you enter an aircraft, that is not a very healthy environment. Although the airline industry is working on that, uh, it has affected our companies. It has affected our communities. It has affected our universities. It has affected our marketplace. You know, a lot of things come to this country uh, through air cargo. And, 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 and a lot of uh, people go back and forth, a lot of convention business, a lot of trade shows have been affected. And Mario, we are suffering from two, diff two different uh, angles. One is of course COVID. The other is the sharp fall in oil prices. In March, we saw one day, the oil was trading at minus 38 a barrel, which means that to buy one consignment of a thousand barrel, you needed to give somebody $38,000 just to take delivery. And that people thought can never happen, but it did happen. Oil has stabilized at 40 and some of the oil stocks have come back. But we heard just yesterday, Shlambarjay laid off 21,000 people. All of this, Mario, is going to have an effect because Houston-based companies in oil services now want to focus more on the international markets. So if our people cannot travel, then they would rather have nationals from other countries go represent them for meetings in Dubai or Europe or South Africa or elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, like you said, it's coming from two different angles. It's not just the health implications and the travel implications, but it's also the energy markets. Um, Zaf, you know, recently we saw that the United States shut down the Chinese consulate here in Houston. And then we saw a tit for tat with China then closing the U.S. Uh, consulate. Uh, you know, where do you see this going for Houston in the near to long term? Do you, do you have hope that this is going to correct itself maybe through the national election? Um, or, or do you really think that we're in a position right now where, where the United States is somewhat isolating from other countries? I'm not very uh, happy to see how the events unfolded. You know, we have seen this during the Cold War that there was a tit for tat between Russia and US. You know, they would throw out one diplomat and we would throw out another diplomat. But this was a very drastic and sudden move. It kind of caught even the local authorities by surprise. Uh, Chinese consulate in Houston was given 72 hours. Uh, don't forget, this was the first ever Chinese consulate uh, outside the having an embassy in, in, in DC that China had. So this has a long history of opening up to China and Houston being the first city to welcome China. Uh, my personal opinion, you know, I'm a card carrying Democrat, I think uh, it's a move that kind of ties into the national politics and the rhetoric that is building up for the uh, upcoming elections. Uh, however, we must be mindful that our government must have had certain evidence 
to be uh, to be concerned about activities and all governments have a right to be concerned about activities on their soil that other foreign countries uh, can uh, can can engage in using their consulates or their embassies because they have kind of sovereign and diplomatic immunity in those compounds uh, as far as them burning the documents look we did the same when we had to leave tehran you know uh, these things happen. I hope that this is uh, resolved quickly. This is not in Houston's interest. This is not in our economic interest. We have the largest contingent of uh, foreign diplomatic corps outside New York. Anywhere else in America, we have more consulates than Los Angeles. And we are very proud of that. Uh, we hope as Houstonians that that the Chinese and the American governments will work out some kind of an arrangement. And, and Chinese government would, uh, would remove any suspicious activity that may be arising all of this. And uh, their purpose here is to facilitate visitation and business. And we would like to see that very much. Yes, I would like to see that. Zaf, sticking with China, we've been reading about you know, companies that are moving operations out of China. And we're seeing that because of the trade war. We're seeing that now because of COVID as well. You know, are we going to feel any impacts from that here locally? Look, one thing is obvious. You know, this whole business of supply chain kind of made our multinationals so efficient. They thought that, you know, we don't have to keep everything in a warehouse. We can literally have a customer order something and the factory in China or Thailand will get the order and they will manufacture it and it will be here in a few days. What COVID has taught us, and not just Americans, it has taught all over the world that it is important for governments to have stockpiles of essential goods in their country within reach. You know, if there is something important that is manufactured, let's say only in Japan, then China is going to suffer. And China will be thinking why we don't have the ability to at least assemble or manufacture that. So some of the manufacturing of essential goods is going to come back to each and every country. You know, countries are not going to be caught off guard like they were caught during COVID. Of course, there is politics of trade and, uh, and, and tariffs. Uh, China has always exported goods all over the world. It has benefited us as consumers. Yes, we have been a beneficiary, but our government has lost. You know, China slaps on undue tariffs on a lot of products from all over the world. So I think I think uh, India is going to be a, a, a destination, one of the destinations of choice, and other countries. But U.S. also had some have some trade arguments with India. I think a lot of manufacturing is going to come back. How it will affect us? It may help us in terms of job opportunity in this country, but it will come at a cost. The consumer price in this country is going to go up because we are going to be manufacturing outside of a location that was considered cheap to, to, to manufacture. So yet to be seen. Yeah, I mean, it really is one of those things that nobody can predict. And, and that's just the world we are, we're in right now. Um, so, 
as we look at manufacturing coming back and or our, our country actually making more of these critical supplies, especially when it comes to medical supplies, uh, is there anything that you've seen that kind of gives you hope that maybe we will make our own for pharmaceuticals, for instance, or make our own PPE? Um, is there anything that you've heard through the community that the United States and Houston in particular has capacity and or the resources to actually execute or implement such projects? Nick, excellent question. I think our local leaders and our state leaders need to look at our ship channels. And it's such a waste that a thriving manufacturing area for at least about 100 years uh, has really gone into ruins. You know, we, we have ship channel is now lined with, except for large chemical plants, uh, most of the small companies that were making valves or metal parts or other things are really shut down. And, and, and we kind of did that to ourselves because uh, first of all, we were not competitive with the world. Uh, we did not train our people. You know, we focused too much on creating high paying jobs. We, we have actually neglected uh, what I call manufacturing jobs. I always tell people economic development is not how many multinationals are gonna come to Houston. Economic development is also how many jobs are we creating for people who have a high school education yep. or who don't have an MIT degree. We have neglected that. And I think now is an opportunity. Also, Nick, one of the things that is happening is because of 3D printing and because of automated manufacturing and robotics and artificial intelligence, maybe in a few decades, it won't matter where you are. The manufacturing cost is going to be cheapest at a location which is closest to the customer so that they can be supplied in time. So we need to focus on the new jobs that are going to arise because of this new thinking and new technologies. So when we think about international affairs, we think of it predominantly with the federal government having the most influence and the most say. Local government, we don't typically associate with international affairs, international politics, but you know, you serve on an advisory council to the mayor on this subject. There is an office of international affairs at the city. You know, for, for people listening who have an interest or want to get involved at the local level in international affairs and politics, what can they do or, or how do you suggest they're able to participate? Well, we, first of all, our, our city charter really does not allow us to uh, engage in any foreign policy issues. But that does not mean that we are stopped from being a host of so many different communities that visit here, live here, companies that come here and conduct business, foreign dignitaries, heads of states, ministers, trade delegations. A good example is get a Houston partnership, you know, which is an umbrella organization. Uh, Houston has a very robust, I would say, international affairs department. Uh, we go and take trade delegation. Unlike other cities, we don't have trade offices overseas. Other cities do, New York, Atlanta, others, they maintain trade offices, they engage in direct trade. Uh, but it is increasingly becoming, Mario, uh, important for Houston to also be mindful of international politics. 
uh, we have had certain visits of heads of states that have become controversial. Uh, tomorrow, let's say if uh, Mr. Putin wants to visit uh, Houston, uh, there is uh, nothing is stopping. In fact, we will not stop anybody who wants to protest his visit uh, because of his policies. Uh, we have various communities that live here, our Vietnamese American communities. Uh, some of them are very much in favor of the communist government there, but some of them are uh, are still carry the flag of the government that was uh, overtaken by North Vietnam. So foreign powers have to understand that Houston has limited ability to maneuver, but because of our presence, we have a huge international stake. And anybody who would like to get involved, I would encourage them to get in touch with the uh, International Affairs Department, uh, Chris Olson, uh, is the director. He works directly under the, uh, the, the chief economic officer, Mr. Andy Aiken. Uh, we cater to a very large international diplomatic core. Uh, anyone who is interested, feel free to reach out to our own Houston uh, PAC. Uh, we can reach out to uh, city of Houston. Uh, county and governor's office also have a very active international engagement program. So there's no stopping. Yeah. I mean, there's no stopping you, Zaf, that's for sure. Uh, we always appreciate getting the opportunity to talk to you. Um, you know, being a part of your Houston and being engaged as, as you are within the international community and with the city as well, you know, if someone's listening and, and they're kind of new to politics, but they're really intrigued by the current times with COVID, with everything that's happening, and maybe they have a little bit more time on their hands to, to pay attention to these issues, not just internationally or nationally, but also locally. Um, what would you say your Houston can do to get engaged on these issues and also get individuals who are interested in doing something? What can your Houston do to kind of bring those two things together and make a difference? my first message will be, especially to new Americans or immigrants, that it's good to be connected with the places where you have migrated from. Be very proud of your culture and your language. But the street in front of your house should be the most important street in your world. It should not be some street 10,000 miles away. You should be worried about your street, what kind of school buses come on that street, how trash is picked up, how law enforcement takes place, what is the economic condition of the homes on that street. If you worry about your street, believe me, your neighbors will see that sincerity in your eyes and they would welcome you as a fellow American. They will see through your skin color. They will see through your accent. They will see through your religion and they will, they will invite you in their lives and you can represent them. There is no stopping how you can become a precinct chair or part of your homeowners association or, or engage in fundraising or run for office. You know, Houston, we have seen so many people who were born elsewhere run for office. But the first thing I will tell people is to be engaged. And, and, and your Houston is actually an organization that I'm proudly part of, and both of you are, that would facilitate you, you know. Uh, as a Muslim American, that is what we are taught in Islam. You know, your home is where you are. 
you know, this, the street in front of my house, Shadow Lane, should be the most important street in my life and not the street somewhere in Karachi, Pakistan. Well, Zaf, this has been such a wonderful conversation and you have provided great insight into economics and the international community as it relates to Houston. You know, I've learned a lot just in this this conversation here. I think, you know, we definitely want to continue this in future episodes. And I also want to thank you, Zaf, for getting us Dr. Masood, you know. I often refer to you as Mr. International, but you're also Mr. Connected. Um, So thank you for bringing us that guest. And and I really just, it's always a pleasure. Um, Is there anything you'd like to say to the audience? Is is there anything, you know, the last message? Nick and Mario, I want to first thank you and and thank our producer um, and thank everybody behind this program that COVID is not stopping us, your Houston, to engage with you to bring you international subjects, local subjects, interesting interesting subjects. Um, I would leave with this message. You mentioned Dr. Faisal Masood. All Americans, try to look at your fellow Americans, fellow neighbor beyond their skin color, beyond their accent, beyond their national origin or their religion. Look at what they are contributing in the society. And if they are doing something good for the society, encourage them, pat them on the back. If they are not and they are lost, show them the way. They may contribute something. Invite them to your homes. Invite them to take part in different activities. Uh, This is how we're going to move forward. COVID is not only our challenge. It's not the only challenge. I think the civil rights issue that we see unfolding in America is a continuous battle. It's never done. It's never perfect. And let's all work together to be one country, one people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, COVID doesn't care the color of your skin or what you believe in. Nope. It it does not at all. And so maybe it's about time we all just start treating everybody together and coming together as a family and treating everyone equally with respect and dignity. So thank you, Zaf. It's been a wonderful interview. This has been another episode of Your Houston. Everyone have a great, wonderful, safe weekend. Bye-bye.